You're listening to Southside Baptist Church Podcast with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Parker. For more audio content, please refer to our website at ssbaptistchurch.com. Wow. Uh, I must confess to you that... uh, 20 minutes ago, I, had, I couldn't find anything to preach. Uh, I had two or three things prepared. And uh, during our Bible study this morning, a comment was made toward the end, and God said, that's what I want right there. The music verified it, and uh, let me try to get myself together here, and I want to preach this morning on forgiveness. I was going to preach, uh, have you turned to the book of Boaz, and uh, Sheila's asking Jeff right now, where in the world's the book of Boaz? And he's still looking. And uh, really the book of Ruth, I've just become enamored with that book. I was telling your pastor, uh, I like you and am, am, am concerned about our country. Uh, I heard uh, two days ago that a uh, uh, comment was made that Billy Graham is so upset with the United States and the way we're heading that he's even thinking about coming back for maybe a two or three day revival. I don't know how he can do it. It's hard for him to even talk now. But uh, we'll just uh, see what what will transpire. Uh, I want to first say it's good to be back home. I consider this home and be with my second family last night. We had a great time, uh, all the kids and around the dinner table. And uh, what a, you, you have a, a enormously gifted family that serves you, and I, I mean that because they're all a part of this ministry. Uh, I've got a special friend today, Ray and Dean Dykus. Ray, where are you? Over here. They drove from Greenville. And uh, I tried to, I told him we started at 11, knowing he wouldn't be here. What, would you believe he got here earlier right on time? And now, uh, Jeffrey, uh, this guy can make a banjo talk. And I picked that thing up one day. I thought it was a little play toy. I, I couldn't hardly put it. That thing was so heavy, I couldn't even hardly carry that thing. I'll tell you what. But he, I really love to hear him play that thing. Dean, they precious couple, know the Lord, and. Uh, we've been friends a long time. Thank you for coming. I was going to preach this morning on, on, on the book of Ruth. I want to start it. You know that? Let me tell you right quickly what I was going to say, and then I'll get to what I need to say. There are four characters in this book. as Ruth and Naomi, a man named Boaz. But as a man named Elimelech, and he's the villain in the whole thing. And 
it, it's a picture of our world today. I, I can't get it out of my mind because the first phrase in, in Ruth says, in the days of the judges, well, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Well, you take a left-hand turn to the book of Judges. You got, you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. Look at the last book. I think it's chapter 21, isn't it, Jeff? Uh, yes. 24. Chapter 24, the last chapter. And I, I want to show you what kind of days that Ruth and Naomi and Boaz delivered in, in a town that used to be called the bread of heaven, the house of bread. That's what Bethlehem means, the house of bread. There was always barley and wheat. There was enough for everybody there. And, and that's where our Savior would be born later on. But uh, it's on... Yeah. I knew it was. You trying to get me off again. I, I, he does that to me all the time. But I want you to look at chapter 21, verse 25. Listen as he reads this verse. And here's the reason that when Joshua said in, in Joshua, yes, to me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And after that, 300 and some odd years later, the book of Judges took place. And the end result was the book of Ruth. And they were in the days of Judges the last. And here's what happens in the book of Judges. Look at the last verse and you'll see. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. Is that America? Everyone doing what he sees fit makes no difference. We've got no king. We've got no Lord for the most part. And we do what we want to do. And consequently, we, just like Bethlehem, have moved into some famine because God still controls the weather and when he sets that burning sun down and crops can't grow and wheat can't grow and, and uh, the money gets short and inflation takes place and a loaf of bread that used to be two bits is now 375. Gasoline that I pumped as a kid for 29 cents uh, a gallon. Man, for, uh, and I could go just about to Jerusalem and back on a, on a $10 bill and and, uh, and now the last I put in over at home was 359. I think I got a break to get it at 359. And it's unbelievable how, how it's gone. It's hard to make ends meet. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's a time to live. Why? Because every man's doing right in his own eyes. We're unruly. We're ungodly. And for the most part, we, are, we, we don't pay any attention to the Lord. We've made him last in our lives instead of first. And this was the kind of situation that Elimelech found his way in, but he did one thing wrong. He went south rather than, rather than stay. And he went down to a place called Moab. The filthiest cesspool in all the world is Moab. You know, you know what the start of Moab is? If you know your Bible, there was a man named Lot. Remember Lot? Abraham's nephew. And he was in a city full of homosexuals, perverts, and all of this, and Finally, they, they tried to even take the angels when the angels came. And finally, God got him out of there. She said, you leave there. Don't you turn back. And Lot left and his two daughters and his wife. Remember, she stopped and looked back. God turned into a pillar of salt. And now Lot is found way over here. And he thinks after that disastrous thing, there's nobody left in the world. And his daughters then commit incest with him and bear children. And the first child that was born, they named him Moab. 
And this is what this ungodly land name over this land. And this is where Elimelech is going down into this place called Moab. And it takes a miracle of God to kick Romans 8.28 in, into play and where he says, for you, I, I'm going to take, I, I will work most things. No, I don't believe so. All things together for good. They're not good, but I'll work them for good for those who love me and who are called by my purpose. That's his promise to you and to me. And I wanted to go through this book and just show you the miracle that took place in this thing. But keep Boaz in mind. I want to close with him. But this morning, I, I, I want to, last night we, we were, I was highlighting this with the family. And I said, uh, Jeffrey, look up on your, on your whatever that walkie-talkie y'all carry around, his phones, whatever it is, y'all, <laughs> that, that, that know what the world's doing and just put your button. It's, it's unbelievable. And uh, I said, what's the national debt? And he hit that thing. He said, it was $16 trillion, da 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 And we talked to him, and he said, oh, it's just moved up $2 million. And, and, that, and, and that, that's the way it is. And uh, we're faced with these times right now. But I, I, I couldn't preach that. I just, and, and, and so this morning, I want you to turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. I'll come back another time and preach on Ruth. Get your pastor to do a Bible study. Boy, it is an outstanding book. This morning, I, I, want, I want to go to a portion of the Bible and talk about a subject that we all need to practice. I'll just be honest with you. I, I, I try to keep myself clean every day, and I try to pray, and I, I do pray, and my prayer list grows long sometimes, and and, but you know, I had an unforgiving nestle in my heart against my sister. Well, there was only two of us in the family. And it happened when, when our mother died, daddy that passed on, and we were just sitting down at the table going to divvy up some things. And, 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 and I said, I can't believe what I'm hearing. And I, I didn't need it. She didn't need it, but... Uh, Things transpired that I and, and I, I I just formed a deep a, a deep resentment in my heart for her. Uh, you'd be glad to know it's been cleared about a month or so ago, and that burden was hanging over me, and I had to get it off. It didn't amount to a hill of beans anyway. So I, I but it just it just distressed my life. You may be here this morning, and you got a deep down old grudge in you that's just like a rotten potato. It raises his head, it comes back. There may be somebody that you can't stand and you gloss over it and you know God said that's not the way to do it. And there may be somebody here that's done you wrong and you're probably right that they did do you wrong and there's no forgiveness in your soul or your being. And the sad thing, mostly there are church members in this church in every church in which we live that hold these things and do you know you keep a church from growing and exploding? You keep a church from, from all the joys that Jesus Christ wanted to give it. Because on that cross, he said, Father, forgive who? Them. For they know not what they do. And I want to give you a classic case this morning. And I might have to read a few verses, and I'll stop you in just a moment. 
out of John 8. It is the classic, classic, classic illustration of forgiveness. And before you turn your nose up at this young lady, I want you to know that one of these scriptures said, Jesus said, I tell you, any man who's ever had a thought of desiring another woman beside his wife, you're just as guilty as she is. Listen as Jeff reads first four, five, six, seven, eight verses of John 8. All right, now, he, he is in the temple court. The people have gathered around him. I mean, he, he's, close, he's close to the cross. He's, he's, he's got a lot of things to do and, and a lot of things to get done. And, all right, now watch him as he goes here. All right, let me stop right here. These godly, gracious men, uh, as I read my Bible, it takes two to commit adultery, doesn't it? I guess that man they found in there, they said, you jump out the window and then go around back to your wife. We're going to take this girl up here and make a, make a, make a marketplace of her. We're going to teach her a lesson. And they brought this poor child up there. The women were so done badly in those days, just like they've done today a lot taken advantage of. And he brought this, this, this girl there. Don't you know she was afraid out of her mind? But as God would have it, this is a place where Jesus decided to do one of his greatest works. Only he could survive this thing. So she's brought before them in adultery. They're going to accuse her of adultery. Now Deuteronomy says that in Deuteronomy 20.10, I believe, the woman and the man should be killed, but we don't find a man here. That noble rascal has just uh, disappeared back into the crowd. Probably his voice comes out against her in uh, all of his mockery and, and, and uh, holy goodness that he thinks he has. The Mishnah, the, the Jewish codified law, said if a woman was caught in adultery... They would stand her knee deep in dung. And they would put a soft cloth around her neck, then a coarse cloth around that. Then they would put a rope that ran both ways. And men would get on each end and pull the rope till they strangled her to death. This was the payment for adultery. So under these rules, Jesus comes now. And pick me up where you left me, Jeff, please. Now stop right here. This is what you call a catch-22. Now look at this thing. If Jesus says stone, or just like the law said, first of all, he has presented himself as a compassionate Christ, as a forgiving Christ. He's fixed to go to the cross and pay the highest price any man would ever pay 
with his blood on that cross. There is a fountain filled with blood. And he was fixed to drop that blood to the ground to remove every stain of sin that any man, any woman would have in their life. I mean, remove it. But if he said stoner, then he would be to some of these people not the wonderful Messiah that he says he is if he'd be that brutal. But if he said, if he on the other hand said, yes, stoner, then they would immediately go to the Roman law. The Romans said, look, look what he's doing. You know, you, Rome rules his providence. Uh, the, the sentence of death cannot be carried out without the Roman government. Here is a man over here. He, he, is, he, is, he is superseding the law. Look what he's doing. And, and, and he's telling us to kill this woman. That's, that's what they, it was a catch-22. Or, or he could do nothing and, and, and walk away and, and his whole ministry would be blown to bits. Boy, I'll tell you what, I'd love to watch him on the stand, wouldn't you? I'd love to see Jesus cross-examine somebody. So they come and they say, what are you going to do? Here's a catch-22. Now watch this very carefully, okay? In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground. All right, all right now, now watch this. He is so powerful, he doesn't have to say a word. All he's got to do. He, the only, this is the only place we ever see him writing. No place else in the Bible you see him writing. And would you agree with me that if he's going to write, there's a small crowd. They've got to be around him so they can see every word. He wouldn't write a man be 20 feet away. That's not, they, they were so gathered around him with that girl. And she was standing there, and he was dealing, and she was standing right by him. And her accusers was gathered in a small, I see him in a very small circle gathered right there. Because now he bends down, he bends down to write. And I guess no problem with him to write upside down. He wrote it facing that crowd where they could read because they were, they were there and seeing it. And so he begins, he begins to write. Now, the Armenian text of the New Testament says that what he's doing here to write in, in the Greek is graphene. But the, 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 the text said is, is katographene. He puts a prefix in front of this word. And it means to write against something. This is what this means. So he is writing against something. He is listing some crimes against something and, and who do you think it is? Well, Armenian text said he, he is, these men are looking on and he is then writing against them and, and he is writing, uh, Levi, you did this and, and, and Eric, uh, uh, you, you did this and Rosenthal, you, you, you did this and, and he's listening to all these men and he's listening to his sins right there in, 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 in the crowd. He is writing against, the graphene is to write, but Cartographing is to write against something. Like you go to prison, I, I go to prison and say, here's Bob Smith, and, and the record is he did this and 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 this. And, and that's what a prison record is. It's somebody who writes against you. And here's what he's doing here. Watch the master stroke of this saying. She, and, and what are you going to do about it, Jesus? What are you going to do about it? He said, well, I'll tell you. He just looked around and he, he knelt down. With his, fan, with his finger in the dirt and begin to write where every man could see. 
All right, watch this. Go ahead, please. Look what he's saying. Look, look, look what he's saying. As he writes on the ground, undoubtedly he's been listening to the sins of these. He says, if any of you guys without sin, the stones you have in your hand, you, be, you should go on and throw it. Totally master the situation in truth. Turn this thing around to see the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Now watch what happened. All right, he, he, he writes again. We, 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 don't, we, don't, we don't know what. Uh, the, 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 the word here for sin, we believe that's what he was expanding now, is that if any of you have ever, ever thought about having sex with a woman that's not your wife, you throw the first stone. If any of you had a thought cross your mind, I count it just as much as the act. If any of you has looked and, and desired a woman, uh, then, then, then you throw the stone. Man, he's getting down to where it hurts, isn't it? And all these holy Joes who, who charged in the room back there, probably was a setup anyway, and, 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 and the guy that jumped out the window, I guess he's around there and with a stone in his hand, and, 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 and now the Lord with a, simple, with a simple writing in the sand has absolutely turned the mob and they can't do a thing. And I believe that's a pause right here. I believe that's a pause. And all of a sudden you hear plop, plop, plop. And the stones begin to drop. And he says the, read on another verse please. Now let me stop right here. I think this is significant. The older, the wiser, the, the 40s, the 50s, the 60-year-old, uh, they, they, they're the ones that left first. They dispelled this crowd they, 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 because they dropped their stones and they realized what he was doing. They realized how guilty they were, how ashamed they were, and they walked away. May I interject a thought to you here? been a long time since I've been in this church. Uh, you've always had an outstanding group of adults. But adults, I'm going to tell you something. This goes way beyond this. You know why our churches are hurting today? It's because our seniors, our men of 40 and 50 and 60 and 70, our ladies at that age, are not being what they should be before God to train up these young Christians who come in this church who get saved. They see you squabble in most churches. They say you fuss. They say you, you, you talk about the past. They hear you talk about the, all of this. And, and, and the young come and they hear this and they said, what, 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 what is in our churches? What kind of church? I know this doesn't happen here, but what kind of churches are we, are we in? 
He, this, this man's been here a long time. This lady's been here a long time. And, and listen to the gossip and listen to the talk. And, and, and I tell you what, I, God called me to preach with no, I couldn't go to school because of my eyes. I'd gone to college, but I had one course in Old Testament. I didn't qualify to be a preacher, I don't believe. And, 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 and I, and I, but I, I knew you wanted me to preach, and I, 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 you know my story. I, I, we went to old store, just going broke as hand, and, and, and one, one morning at number night at the, at the dishwasher, Betty was up washing dishes over there, and I, saw, I turned around, those blue eyes were just draining tears. I said, honey, what's the matter? She said, Bob, we can't make it. We can't make it. We're going under. I keep the books. We can't make it. And I, she was, I knew she was right. And I got up early the next morning. I went to that old store. And when my help came in, I, I, I went to the back through a room, locked the door. I went to a bathroom and I locked the door. And I got down over that filthy, dirty commode and put my head right in that thing and said, Dear God, I can't get any lower than this. And if you want me to preach, I'll preach. You know I had not gotten the education in seminary. You know, I don't. But if you want it, I'll do it. And I can't tell you what happened after that for 44 years has happened. That, that has just been unbelievable. It's all of him. It's all of him. Don't tell me you can't do what, you, what God wants you to do. Don't tell me that. And when I took that church, the only reason I survived, is because of a 72-year-old deacon who led the music. And he could sing down the piano and organ. Boy, he had a voice. And get on the wrong note, he'd just ruin them. He'd just get them out of there. And, 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 but he loved the Lord, and he loved his pastor. And he took me under his wings, and God, I would have never made a week in that church. The hounds were held at bay because of some mistakes a young pastor would make. But he was there for me always. I'm telling you, seniors, I'm telling you something. This church cannot survive without you, and it will die if you don't act that way you should. You need to circle these young people, these, these pe- uh, young ladies and men coming in who don't know Jesus and say, I've been watching you. I'm tell you, I'm praying for you. How can I pray for you? You need to be supporting your pastor. I know you do. But you, if you don't, this church, well, we can't survive. What's wrong with churches now? We, we've lost that leadership from those who are supposed to know. And, they, and, and, and preachers are leaving the ministry right and left and song leaders are leaving right because they've been crucified by pharisaical babies, hounds who come and, and, and gnaw and eat and chip in and, and, and growl and snarl. The older ones left first. They led the way and they dispelled the mob when they left the way. And now Jesus turns to this girl and says, where are your accusers? She said, I, 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 they're not here. And he said, neither do I accuse you. Now watch this. He's not saying what she did was right. Probably she was probably forced anyway, and he knew. knew but but he is saying that that I, I don't accuse you anymore. Go and sin. What? No more. You are witnessing from the page of history. I believe the the greatest forgiveness next to the cross you'll ever see. I want to tell you a story, and I can't share it, share it any other way, of the greatest forgiveness I know anything about. 
It didn't happen to me. Buckner Fanning is the preacher. He preaches in, used to Trinity Baptist Church in San Antonio, Texas. Came from a godly family. His mother and his dad, and I don't know where his dad worked, but his mother was at, stayed at home. And Buckner had a, had, a, had a four-year-old brother, his junior, named Bob. He used to love to call his mama Mount Sinai. Because, brother, when she got me, she roared from Mount Sinai. And you better do what Sinai said. She had to run home. My daddy was gone, and she ran it. She had one rule of many rules. Sinai says, you don't throw the ball in my house. You got a basketball out there and a board out there, go shoot it out there. There's a lot over there. You can play football, hit it, go take it over there. Don't throw a ball in my house. And he said the living room and the dining room were so constructed together that it was just about the length of a pitcher's mound to home plate. And, it, and, and it, it, at this end, there was a three-legged chair that stood in the corner. It said the ugliest chair I saw in my life. But Mother loved that three-legged chair. She loved that thing. And we would go by and say, oh, how pretty it is, Mother. You know, it was the ugliest chair we ever saw in our lives. In fact, he said when she, the family died and they were separating everything, they got to this three-legged chair. And they kind of looked at it and Buckner said, well, I, I, I guess how... It's all right, you, Bob. Bob said, oh, yeah, it's fine, me, Buck. And that line, he said, that lion's cow, he wasn't going to take it anyway. He wanted me to take that ugly chair. And it sits in my room right today. And people walk by and just look at it. Nobody ever said it. It's a three-legged chair. Mother loved the three-legged chair. But on the other end of the room was a brass uh, vase. And in that vase brace was the most beautiful urn you ever saw. And she loved that piece of china. You got the picture? At the end of the thing. So Buckner gets up here and he said, Bob, let's throw that baseball. It's raining outside and Mother won't mind. We can't go outside. And, and he said, we'll throw it soft at first. And she was in the kitchen washing, had her back turned to him and, and see if Sinai's going to let us get by with this. And he said, okay. So Bob got the pet catcher's mitt, got right down here. And Buckner said, I, I got my arm. said, I always pitch because I own a baseball on the team. So I got the pitch and said, I, 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 I threw him a little lob ball in there and hit the mitt and we waited, and I didn't say a thing. And, and Bob threw it back and said, man, maybe she's going to forget it this time. And, 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 uh, and he said, well, he said, let me throw it a little harder. Threw it a little harder, and the mitt kind of popped like that. And, and uh, she never looked. And he said, man, she's going to let it go this time because of the rain. So he said, boy, he said, I'll wind up, and I threw a high hopper in there. And that ball popped at that, that mitt like that. And, man, I, I threw another right on target and threw another. And, Bob said, Listen, what are you going to throw now? He said, I'm going to try my curveball. He said, I wind up and I threw that ball. And I said, that ball broke 10 feet. And it broke, and, and my brother jumped out, and the sorry brother missed the ball, and, and, and that ball hit that iron, bam! And into a thousand pieces that iron hit the floor. And I said, my younger brother ran out the door into the rain. He said, yeah, I don't know where he is. He's outside said he's a lawyer today in, in San Antonio, and that's what he did. He ran outside the door in the rain, scared to death, and said, I stood there and looked at that thing, and mother still washing dishes. And I said, I didn't know what to do. I said, maybe I'll go get some glue, and I'll glue this thing all back together and put it, you know. And I said, no, so he found it. He found it, walked over. He said, Mom? She said, yes. I said, I, I got to tell you something. She said, what is it? But knowing all the time what it is. 
She said, Mom, I, I broke your vase. It's into a thousand pieces, and I'm so sorry. He said, she just looked over his shoulder, smiled and nodded, went back to doing her dishes. Bogdan Fanny said, that's all that was ever said. Except 10 years later, they were unwrapping Christmas presents. Bogdan was married now, was 21 years old, something married, and, and his wife was there, and Bob was there, and, and uh, there was a box over in the corner. And everything was open. He looked at the box, and it said to Buckner from Mother. And he said, what is this? And, and, she, and she said, I'm going to open it up. She said, open it up. And he opened it up, and there he said, was a vase just like the other, even more beautiful than the other. She had been down in New Orleans at one of these old uh, antique stores, and she, she'd been, and she found that vase. And she said to Buckner, with love, mother. <laughs> he said, I took that vase and put it in the stand. And she smiled and I smiled. And forgiveness had conquered a curveball. Folks, that's powerful. That's powerful. And I want you to, I want you to know, now this not even a message this morning, but I believe what God wants me to say. I want you to, I want you to know, did you hear what the song said? That the blood of Jesus Christ wipes away the stain of sin. And I want to tell you, every human being that walks has sinned, sins we're ashamed of. But I want to tell you, I want to bring you some good news of great joy, that only the blood of Jesus wipes away the stain. You can wipe away the blood, but he wipes away the stain. You don't even see it. He's covered it. And when you go back to him and said, Lord, I, I did, he said, I don't recall, I don't have any record of that because you see, his stain has wiped it away. Now I want you to watch this. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Turn there. Remember where we left Boaz? You, you remember the story. You've been through the book of Ruth just said. Remember Boaz was a kinsman redeemer. He, he, gave, he gave Ruth uh, a, a place to get, glean. He told his men, don't you bother that girl. And you load her up with more grain when she leaves. And, 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 in, and, and while on the harvest floor, she, she slept at his foot. Not a sexual move at all, but, but because the mother said, but, but the mother said when she came up and told him, who, get, who, who gave you this grain? She said, a man named Boaz. She said, Boaz. I said, why are you my kin? I said, you do what he says. He's a godly man. He's a godly man. Forty-something years old now, never been married. He's a rich, he's a godly man. You do what he says. And Boaz tells Ruth, there's one more thing to do. There's a, there's a man living who is next in line, in, 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 in your mother's line, and, and uh, he has the right to claim you. And so Boaz met him at the gate. He is the kinsman redeemer, picture of Jesus. And he said, I can't marry you unless, because then a man would take over uh, the, 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 the kin and bring him into his family and marry them. And, and, 
And so he asked this guy, I, I want to I bring Ruth to you, and, and you're the next in line. And, 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 but if you take her, you've got to take Naomi too. He's smart. You, you take them both. He said, no, I don't want them both. I, I, and so he signed off, and Boaz then takes Ruth, who had been a slut down in Slutville named Moab, didn't know anything. I said, worship idols. But a woman comes along and, and, and she said, now you need to go back to your home. My husband's died. You, 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 my boys have died. And you, uh, uh, your sister's going back. She said, I'm not going back. You know why? They said, because my God, your God's going to be my God. Your people are going to be my people. I don't want those gods that, that, that hang on the trees and, and stand in the city. I, I want your God that, that I can't see, but I can see him in you. And so Naomi and Ruth go back, and, and through the process of this, now Boaz sees her, and, and Boaz, Boaz gets her, he wins her, and he takes care of her. And, and, and through this line, little did he know that the Messiah would come through here, through an old Moabite woman. But it gets better than that. You in Matthew chapter, chapter 1? I want you to look at verse 5. Listen as Jeff reads this verse. Now listen to it. Salmon is the father of Boaz. Now Salmon is the father of Boaz, the one we're talking about. All right. Stop it. Who was Rahab? She was a prostitute, a harlot, who sat on top of the wall and had her had her whorehouse up there, so to speak. That's the way she did. And she met Jesus through these men, and he changed her life. And this dirty prostitute became the, becomes the mother of Boaz, who is the kinsman redeemer. Through his line would come Jesus and pay the ultimate price on the cross. And God took a prostitute and groomed her and put her in the line that would produce the Messiah. Why? Because she was forgiven. Why? Because, because Rahab was forgiven. And you can find Bathsheba in that line who had been forgiven. You can find women who had been taken advantage of so much in the Old Testament through that line. Let me tell you something. Forgiveness wipes away every stain. Every stain. And you may be here this morning, some of you guys, and you got more, more hits on your list than anything, but I'm going to tell you, only God can forgive you and cleanse you from that. But when he does, he wipes it clean. And you may be a girl or a mom who's had a slip up, but I want to tell you, when forgiveness is executed, he wipes it clean. Not only does he wipe it clean, he then begins to work it for good in your life. And, and who knows that a, that a Rahab who might be here would be the mother of Christ. Folks, let me tell you something. We, we, we need in our nation help. We need in our churches help. But it can't, you can't get help until you're forgiven. 
You can't give help until you've applied the blood that Jeffrey sung about this morning to your life that would wipe away every stain you would have. And, and you able to, oh, don't you hold your head down. You raise that head up. You an honored guest here because you're a child of the king. And you're not a guest here because you can become a child of the king. And forgiveness in the old people's heart, forgiveness in the young adult's heart, forgiveness in the young people's heart, the teenage forgiveness. Folks, listen, only Jesus can wipe it away. And you'll have peace like you've never had in your life. He who knew no sin became sin for you and for me. And on that cross, when that blood trickled down, that powerful blood, he says, you come to me. I got plenty stored. I got plenty of forgiveness. I never sinned. I got all forgiveness in the world, and I'll give it to you when you come, and I'll wipe you clean as white as snow. That's the kind of God we serve. And I, I submit to you that our churches, yes, they need a lot of things, but I believe most of all as I travel around, they need forgiveness. Some of you in leadership need to forgive. There's somebody who's done something in this church and you don't like, you need to forgive. Because you forget how you were, don't you? And you need to drop a stone, not throw a stone. And this church would never be the same. You're on the brink of it. God has put you in a place. God has given you a pastor who's been here 16 years now. Had all kind of chances to lead to go to big churches. And he turns them down because he knows this is what God wants. And you're not going to support that man and his family. Get real. How about you this morning? Would you bow your heads with me, please? Now, I don't want anybody saying a word. If there's unforgiveness in your heart right now toward anybody in this church, I want you to lay it before the Lord. Call it by name. And I want you to acknowledge it. And I want you to ask God to forgive you. Maybe there's somebody not even here. You need to, maybe there's a sister 100, 200 miles away and you need to do it and then you need to go call her when you get through. Said, you don't know this, but I've held hard feelings against you. I need to forgive you. Maybe there's a young person, young adult here that you've had some things to say that wasn't right. And you're throwing the stone you need to drop the stone. Forgiveness. Would you say yes to Jesus? Before anything else is done, you've got to say yes to him. And when you do, and when you do, and when you do, and you raise that face up with those tears running down and there's a smile on your face, you know that they've been forgiven just like you have been forgiven. Now let's get going and do for God what he has here to do. Now we can move. Now we can conquer in his name.
Would it be good to know this church is known as a forgiving church? There's not a greater quality in the life of Jesus than forgiveness. I learned long ago I'm nothing. I'm ashamed of myself so many times. But God continues to forgive and to strengthen. In a moment, the altar's going to be open. Maybe you want to come and kneel. Maybe you want to cross an aisle. Maybe you want to hug a neck. It's time to get your heart right. Some of you old, you think to step into heaven with this on your, on your, on your chart. That's no good. Support this church. Support these young adults. Support these kids. Because you've met Jesus face to face and he has forgiven you. Heavenly Father, we ask now this morning, I don't know what all has been said, Lord. I'm so mixed up right now. But I do believe with all my heart that forgiveness is the key to everything. We can't give without even honor till we're forgiven. We can't sing till we're forgiven and till we forgive. And God, there are those here this morning just like me, just like you, who don't want everybody to know about their life, but God already does. You be a forgiving man. You be a forgiving senior. You be an encouraging senior. You be a forgiving adult. May the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, which cleanses us from A-double-L, all our sins, and wipes them away, and removes them as far as east is from the west, and get this, and remembers them no more. No matter who you are. He showed you Rahab. She was a practicing harlot, and she's in the line of the Messiah. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Lord, exercise your will in this place today. May we stand with victory. May we pray in a victorious prayer that would change our dirty nature to be for one of a forgiving nature. And we would leave here today pure and clean and ready to go forward for Jesus. In his precious name I pray. Amen. Would you stand?